Meet Rocky Pipkin. Private eye, he's got a burly ex-cop type presence, stocky, bald, shiny head, big fat ring on his hand. The inscription, Rocky Pipkin Detective Agency, written in diamonds. He gave me a tour of his headquarters in Fresno, California. Uh, we have weapons throughout the, the building, and we have an escape route, and we have safe rooms and things of that nature in the event that uh, something does go crazy. So we go into his little office to sit down. He tells me to look behind the door. And look what's behind the door. What is that? It's a, called a uh, Defender 12-gauge shotgun. You notice the note in the barrel that says loaded. That's a Post-it note on it. In addition, just in this room, three other guns. The pistol that he always carries on his hip, another in his desk drawer, in a Filofax case, he has a twenty-two. So that's Rocky. He sat me down to tell me about a big case he worked on a few years ago. Some farmers out in the Central Valley suspected of an elaborate illegal scheme. Rocky sent a couple agents out to do surveillance, recorded the whole thing. We sit down and we watch the tape. This would indicate that the arrived with this vehicle uh, yesterday afternoon. The footage is grainy. It's early morning. An agent is sitting in his car filming trucks going in and out of this gate. And there it is, the evidence of the criminal activity. A large van is pulled into the uh, plant. This truck is hauling packed raisins. Packed raisins are typically um, ready for human consumption. So that means these were sold. Raisins. Raisins in boxes, ready to be sold. That is the crime, the selling of the raisins. And these are ordinary raisins. These are homegrown California raisins. And what these people are doing in almost any other industry, it would be perfectly legal. But raisins, as you're about to find out, are very different. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Zoe Chase. And I'm Caitlin Kenny. Today on the show, the upside down world of raisins. And raisin growers in California and the laws we have in this country. The act of growing grapes and then drying them into raisins and then packing them up and selling them. That can be verboten. That can be a criminal act. Here in the world of raisins, it turns out that what's illegal in most industries, syndicates, cartels, supposed competitors, colluding, conspiring, in the world of raisins, this is totally legal. In fact, it's encouraged, enforced by the government. What's illegal is legal. What's legal's illegal. This is what it's like with raisins. start this story here, where raisins come from. Central Valley, California. Picture the front cover of the Grapes of Wrath. Bright sun, rows of vineyards, thick, rich soil. This is going to be a little dusty on you. Okay. But we can... It's hot. Almost too hot to go barefoot. My wife goes barefoot out here all the time. This is Marvin Horn, a raisin grower. He says they've been making raisins the same way for decades. The green grapes get fat and sweet on the vine. At harvest time, pickers come through and cut the bunches down. And it's kind of labor-intensive. They have to spread them out, pull the leaves out, and then they lay. They lay like that for 15 to 20 days, and they swivel down into what everybody knows is a raisin. 
and that's it. The sun does a lot of the work. Simple. And that is the last simple thing that happens with raisins. After this, it gets pretty complicated. You might think that what happens next is that the raisin grower would take all his raisins and sell them, as many as he can, to whoever wants to buy them. But that's not what happens at all. What actually happens is that a lot of the decisions about buying and selling raisins are made off the farm. They're made on the second floor of this nondescript red brick office building in downtown Fresno. Right here in this room. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you, Bob. Welcome to the Raisin Administrative Committee. (laughs) I'm sorry, Zoe. Every time you say that, it just kills me. I mean, raisin and administrative are not two words that were meant to be next to each other. Like, why do raisins need to be administrated? So what goes on in here is three basic things. The first two are not that weird. They're totally common, actually, when it comes to food. Like, they administer grades and standards, you know, keeping the raisins safe and fine for all of us to eat. Um, And the other thing is marketing the raisins, meaning that a raisin is a raisin is a raisin. More people eating raisins. That is good for the whole industry. So they explore markets together. But the third thing they do, that is pretty unusual. This is where the illegal becomes legal. This is where investigators like Rocky Pipkin get involved. Because the third thing that happens at this meeting is that they decide on something called diversion. Uh, The recommendation that a diversion program not be uh, recommended for the 2014-2015 crop year. And I would like to put that in the form of a motion. So diversion. It sounds boring. But is actually really important. So, Zoe, let's just talk about what this is. Yeah. So a lot of times at this meeting, the growers assemble and they will decide not to sell a portion of their raisin crop. They will decide to divert some of it into a raisin reserve. Whatever they don't sell goes into this reserve. And the reason that they do this is to limit the supply of raisins so they can get a better price for them. Less raisins for sale means you can charge more for the ones that are for sale. Generally, they only do this when there's a big crop. Like, they know lots of raisins are coming online, they're worried the price could collapse, and that farmers could go out of business. Now, outside of this industry, this kind of behavior, it looks illegal. I mean, a bunch of different players within one industry coming together and agreeing to restrict supply to keep prices up, that just sounds bad. Instead of competing, they're colluding. And there's this entire arm of the U.S. government devoted to hunting down collusion and stopping it, the antitrust division of the Justice Department. The U.S. brings big cases against industries for doing stuff like this all the time. But in the world of reasons, this is perfectly legal. And what's illegal is not going along with the group refusing to cooperate, refusing to divert your raisins into a reserve when everybody else is doing it, selling 100 percent of your crop when the Raisin Administrative Committee has decided to hold some back. And this brings us back to Marvin Horn. Horn is also the guy that Rocky Pipkin, the detective with the diamond ring, was investigating. Right. It was Marvin Horn's operation that was in the grainy footage that we watched in Rocky's office. So a couple years ago, Marvin Horn did the unthinkable. He sold his whole raisin crop when the Raisin Administrative Committee had told him not to. That was more than 10 years ago. But people meeting in this room have not forgotten. Think with that, thank you guys for your patience. We are adjourned. In fact, right as the meeting ended, these two farmers came rushing up to me. 
I am Zoe. Zoe? Zoe, yeah. Zoe? Uh -huh. Where are you from, Zoe? NPR, National oh, Public Radio. Okay. That was exciting. Was well, I want you to know that Marvin Horn's a crook. <laughs> What's your you name? That. I haven't got a name. <laughs> A crook. <laughs> All right. So this bad blood against Marvin Horn started in 2002. That year, the Raisin Administrative Committee voted on a particularly big diversion program. Instead of letting the farmers sell all their raisins, they decided to divert some of them into the Raisin Reserve. Actually, they decided to divert a lot of them. Actually, almost half of them. Here's Marvin Horn. 47%. A lot of us, we all jumped up and yelled and said, no, it's crazy. What's the matter with you guys? And it, it was no avail. And that's when I came home and I talked with my wife and we said, no, we're not going to deliver. We're going to figure out what we can do. Marvin Horn and his wife thought this was crazy and unfair. How can you ask us not to sell half our raisins? How can you ask us to hand half of them over to the raisin reserve? But they also knew that if they didn't do it, they might be breaking the law. They weren't sure, though. They aren't lawyers, so they got a hold of the actual legislation and started researching. Uh, we sat many nights reading through it, and I'd read it, and he'd read it, and then we'd discuss it between us. You know, and I would have maybe a different point on some things than he would, and then we'd work it out to what we thought it meant. Marvin and Laura Horn say they found a loophole in the law after staying up all these late nights. And so they decided to sell all their raisins. And the only problem after they made that decision was how to get them packed into boxes. The Horns, like many growers, didn't pack their own raisins. They took them to a big packing operation. But all the packers in the Central Valley, they had been at that meeting, too. If the horns brought their raisins to these packers, the packers would not sell them all. They would automatically send about half of the crop to the reserve. And so the horns bought their own equipment, set up their own operation to clean and stem and wash their raisins, then pack them into boxes and sell them to customers they could find on their own. And a couple other farmers joined with them. The heavies at the Raisin Administrative Committee, they did not agree with the horns' interpretation of the law. To them, there was no loophole. The horns were just criminals. And to gather evidence of the criminal behavior, they hired Rocky Pipkin. That's when the stakeout happened. And the horns knew about it, and they did not like it. In fact, in one of the tapes, you can see Laura Horn's mother approaching one of Rocky's agents. She's a short, white-haired lady wearing sandals and shorts. Hello. What the hell are you here for? I don't think it's any of your business, man. Well, I think it is because that's my property there, and I'd like to know why you're filming it. I can film anything I Rocky want. Pipkin and his detectives were trying to gather evidence to prove that the horns were breaking this one specific law. The law they're accused of allegedly breaking is called Marketing Order Part 989, and this gives raisin farmers some exemptions from antitrust laws. It has its roots back in 1937, the Great Depression. Things were really bad for farmers, so the federal government decided to let them get together, to work together on some things. Then World War II happened. The GIs loved their raisins. The raisin guys were golden. But when the war ended, there were too many raisins out there. So the raisin guys got together and said, we need to organize our market so that there's not too much supply. So they did. 1949, Marketing Order 989, means that every so often these guys get together, make recommendations to the USDA, and the USDA generally does what the raisin guys recommend. 
There are marketing orders on all sorts of American fruits. When you read through it, it is like a salad recipe. Almonds, cranberries, avocados, cherries, tomatoes, spearmint oil, whatever that is. I've used spearmint oil in baking before. You never used it? No, I didn't even heard of it. But <laughs> most growers of these products, they don't use their marketing orders the way the raisin guys do. They'll get together. They'll come up with an ad campaign, grades and standards, stuff like that. But in most cases, they don't set the supply. Although spearmint oil, they will hold some of that back sometimes. That's why I can't find it at the corner store. I don't know. That's true. (laughs) Um, Most products you think of coming from California, like almonds, nectarines, and peaches, either those don't have a marketing order at all or they don't use it to restrict the supply. But for raisins, they do. They manipulate the supply. The supply is not simply determined by the demand for raisins or the weather conditions. It's determined by a precise equation an equation that can be found in the Raisin Administrative Committee Handbook. And in here on page 6 is how you calculate that. Please meet one of the most powerful men in the raisin industry. This right here is Barry Kreebel. He is the president of Sunmade Raisins. The red box with the girl on it? Yeah, he runs that place. So who is the chick? Oh, the sun-made girl. She was a real girl. She had her own set of blue sunbonnets and red sunbonnets because sunbonnets were the fashion of the day in that time. All right. So when I asked him how they figured out how many raisins to put out into the world, he pulls out this book, right? And I asked him about what's the last time the growers had to divert their raisins, 2009. He pulled up Two numbers, estimated demand and estimated supply. You take the two and compare them to each other, and you come up with 85%. As the amount of raisins that should be sold out of here. That year, and the balance should be carried over to, a, to the next year. With most other industries, if you saw something like, like this paper, in a lot of other industries, that is illegal because that's collusion. You don't want a couple producers getting together and deciding how much supply is available. Like, that's something that usually, in other industries, the U.S. government hunts that down and locks those people up. The government has worked to make sure that there's certain protections in all these calculations. Barry and I went back and forth about this for a while. He said raisin growers need this to protect them. I pointed out lots of other industries don't have that. He said, yeah, raisins are different. The volume is different. There is a huge amount of raisins that come out of California. So there's more volatility. I said, why not just let price work it out like it does for other stuff? Not surprisingly, he never came around to the idea that raisin growers could be seen to be like the OPEC oil cartel. And I assumed that most other raisin growers felt the same way, felt like Barry from Sunmade, that the reserve is an awesome piece of protection for their industry, and Marvin Horn is a crook for selling more than he was supposed to. But that was before I hung out at McCoy's Diner. You want to find raisin growers? You show up here at 5 a.m. I met with a bunch of different growers here over the course of the morning, and opinion about the marketing order and about Marvin Horn, it ran the gamut. Some guys felt like this one raisin grower, his name was Dan King, and his position was, whatever you think about the marketing order, what Marvin Horn did just isn't fair. 
While Marvin Horn's family was selling 100% of their crop of raisins, lots of other farmers weren't. And the price Marvin Horn was getting for his raisins was arguably higher than it would have been had all the raisins gotten released onto the market. To Dan King, Marvin Horn benefited at the other guy's expense. Well, I think that there's a set of rules that everybody was playing by during the time that he was not. You know, it's like everybody stops at the stop sign, but not everybody. Somebody doesn't, it causes a problem. And we needed to have the whole industry following the rules or nobody following the rules. You thought it was kind of unfair? I would think. Dan King remembers that same meeting in 2002, where the raisin growers were told that half their raisins they couldn't sell. And just like Marvin Horn, he didn't like it. He actually says when that happened, he lost a ton of money. But unlike Marvin Horn, Dan King says he went along with it for the good of the group. Better to lose some money now than for prices to collapse, and for some growers, maybe even him, to go out of business. He sacrificed a lot for this. He says he remortgaged his farm that he'd just paid off, says he got a second job. You know how hard it is to get an extra job when you're 50 years old and you already work 16-hour days? (laughs) Oh, I went and got a job working in a warehouse. The bank said, you have to have another job, so I had to go find another job. Do you think you would have been better off if there wouldn't have been a marketing order and you would have got more for your crop in those years or not? You don't know that, though. You don't know, There's too many marbles in the game at that. Yeah, I'm like Johnny. You can't. You don't know that. And this is where this morning got so interesting. That other voice you hear, that's Simon Sohoda. He's also a raisin grower, or at least he was a raisin grower, but he has a totally different take on Marvin Horn. Yeah, he broke the rules, but in service of a larger principle. It's like a speeding ticket. Yeah, you get a speeding ticket. Some guys will sit down and say, okay, you know what, I'll uh, go ahead and pay the fine. But not Marvin. Not only did he go and appeal it, he had the goddamn sign changed from the speed limit from 50 to 75, or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, more power to him. Simon used to grow raisins, and he had the same problems with the marketing order that Marvin Horn had. But his solution was a little different. He got out of raisins almost altogether. He pulled up his vines and put in almond trees instead. Almond trees are a good business right now in California. Demand is huge. The price is high. Almonds apparently are not as finicky as grapes. Beyond that, though, to Simon, he says it just feels more honest. The price is the price. The supply is the supply. There are no meetings in a room to limit that supply. That's the tough part about the raisin industry. There's a lot of deductions and things that go on behind uh, the scenes. And so we want to be in something that's simple and full speed ahead, and I found that to be the almonds. Around this time in the conversation, another grower comes up to the table. This guy's never been in raisins and, frankly, thinks what's going on with the raisins is crazy. His name is Ken Parnegie. He grows lots of fruits. Like, have you had that special clementine called the cutie? I love it. Tastes good. And that name. I know. This right here, this is Mr. Cutie. (laughs) That is his brand. And he says clementines. No marketing order. No supply manipulation. He just grows his fruit and sells it. Simple as that. And that's how it is for lots of fruits in California. We sell peaches, plums, nectarines, table grapes, everything in the export market. We compete with South America. We compete with a lot of people. We compete with Europe. And you started way later than the raisin industry. This is Johnny Papuja, raisin grower, raisin packer, sitting next to him at the table. Well, the raisin industry started 
way long time ago doing this. What does that have to do with anything? Well, right now... We compete with everybody else on an even basis. We, we get no subsidies, there's no volume control, there's nothing. Supply and demand. This year, at least for raisins, it's also just supply and demand. The Raisin Administrative Committee voted not to put any raisins into the reserve, not to do a diversion program. That means that raisin growers are selling everything they grow, just like Ken Parnegie and his cuties. In the future of Marketing Order 989, it is unclear because of Marvin Horn and the court case against him. Marvin Horn was originally convicted. He was ordered to pay half a million dollars. He appealed. His case went all the way to the Supreme Court this year. The Supreme Court kicked it back down to a lower court, so we're still waiting to see what happens. Justice Kagan, though, has been widely quoted as saying, this just might be the most outdated law on the books. Meanwhile, the horns, those raisin outlaws, are still out there, growing raisins and hoping to change the rules. As always, we want to know what you thought of today's show. You can email us, planetmoney at npr.org. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, on Spotify. And this week I have a mixtape for you guys. It's called Driving Down 99 in California. The radio in the Central Valley is awesome. And for you, Caitlin Kenny, I have an illegal reason. I have some kind of Ooh. Taste criminal. Yeah, that's that's what illegal raisins taste like. <laughs> I'm Caitlin Kenny. I'm Zoe Chase. Thanks for listening. <laughs>